But hey, good to be with everyone here today. We are going to consider the last elephant of this series, the seven elephants. And I have to tell you uh, that this topic today is so near and dear to my heart. I mean, this is like real live, like where I'm finding myself in my life. And, and I got to say that over the last week, as I've been thinking about this and meeting with some people and talking to people, that it's already made a difference in my thinking and some of my approach. And, and I hope it might for you as well. And you, you might not think it's for you when I tell you the topic, but I'm telling you it will be someday. And I hope by the end, you'll see that it's very much for you because we all play a role uh, when this happens. Because, uh, you know, someday there's going to be this elephant that's going to just come barging into your house and, and you're going to experience what we're talking about here. So what are we talking about? Today, we are going to talk about aging, about getting old. And I don't know, maybe you're not at that place, but the reality is, is that all of us are aging in different ways in our life. I mean, this whole week by my office was graduations from preschools that graduate, right? They graduate preschoolers now, all the way through high school. And you know, aging is a process where we're changing how we're seeing things and how we focus on things and, and how we do things. I mean, throughout life, that changes. I was with a group of guys on Friday. I meet with this group of guys and they ranged from about 28 to I had, there's a guy there's in his mid 70s. And we talked about what makes us anxious. What do we fear? What do we like? It was so interesting how this journey we're all on to aging. As a matter of fact, I was watching an interview with Dick Van Dyke. Does anyone remember Dick Van Dyke? Okay, Dick Van Dyke's now 93 years old. He's 93 and he was talking about working out. The guy's still fit and sings and dances. And he was talking about when he was 30, he worked out to look good. Then when he got to be about 50, he was working out to stay fit. Now that's where I'm at. Looking good is just off the radar now, right? It's now about like, am I just healthy, doc, right? Am I fit? And then he said when he got to be 70, he was working out just so he can keep moving. And then when he got to be about 80, he was working out so that he might avoid getting put into an assisted living place. And now in his 90s, he works out just to be defiant. I'm not old, right? And I just loved that. So we're all aging, right? We're all journeying through that. But what I really want us to consider today is getting old, getting old, and how we might face that elephant head on instead of kind of ignoring it or trying to work ourselves around it or whatever. And the reason why this is such a big deal in my house is not because I'm getting old, which I am. Scott obviously made me do this today because I'm older than him. So he's all, get the old guy up there, you know, to do with the gray beard and stuff. But because my 79-year-old mom is in the process of moving into my house. And it's changing the way I'm thinking about this. And my mom, what she's going through is in this process of aging. I have a picture of her that they're going to put up on the screen here. So this is my mom. Now, here's the crazy part. This was my mom when she was my age. And now I can tell you that because of a back problem, hip issues, and some other issues, just standing up is a difficulty. Just standing up and getting to the bathroom or going to the kitchen. Her exercise now is we make her just walk around the kitchen and come back. To think that picture was when she was my age and now the things she's struggling with and suffering through each and every day has been pretty big impact for myself, my wife, my kids, and her. 
So I think there's some pretty clear factors that we got to think about. Why is this such an issue? Or why is it ignored? Well, one of the things is I think our culture tries to avoid age at all costs, right? We want to stay young. We want to be young. We celebrate and focus on being young and staying young. I'm going to do all I can to make my Instagram look as thing, go from high so I don't see the wrinkles, stick my chin out so you don't see the double, right? What pill can I take? What diet can I eat? What exercise? I mean, I want to celebrate my youth and I dread getting old. I mean, how many of you still say you're 29, right? We do that because we're, why, why don't you say you're 49 or 59 or 69? We're ashamed. I'm 29, man. I'm just 29. It's rude to ask someone their age. Why? Because we dread age. And we shouldn't. Most of us, the reality is, is that we're all getting older. And I believe the way we focus can make older generations sometimes feel useless and unwanted because of the way we celebrate youth. So how might we celebrate vitality? How might we celebrate our own aging and help those around us celebrate as well? So I want to invite up Rich Zirple. And let's give a hand. Rich Zirple is... Um, <clears throat> Rich Zirpel is a pastor here, and he's the, he's the oldest pastor on staff, right, at 71 years 71. old and, wow. and getting older every day. And, uh, but Rich and I have been working together for about 10 years, and we were talking this week, and I just wanted to bring him up because aging's been tough. I mean, he's, he's, uh, you'll hear about cancer and stuff that him and his wife have faced, but, but the big reason is because every day, or at least two or three times a week, I get to work with this guy, and, and his inspiration in my own life and the way that he has faced aging and difficult aging in a lot of ways has just uh, changed my life and my perspective, and he's just one of those guys that really has an influence on me. So, Thank so, you. So as we were talking, you were talking about how learning and focusing on learning and reading is just a big deal for you to keep having vitality as you're getting older, but yes. you have an interesting story of how that transpired. So tell us about learning and, and how that grew in your life. Yeah, good point. And while I grew up in a dysfunctional home, and I'm not saying disparaging my parents or anything, but there was an absentee father situation and didn't have role models and so forth. And so I didn't turn to learning as the option. I turned to rebellion. That was my option. And so there was cars were stealing. I first stole my first car when I was 12 years old. You know, that kind of thing. I just went down the wrong road, and no one was there to stop me, basically. But it just kept getting worse. And I was growing up during the anti-establishment era with all the acid rock music and drugs and Woodstock and all of that. So I just flowed with the trend. And what, it just kept getting worse, and I kept getting in over my head and the drinking and the drugs and all the other things that went along with that. And so as time evolved, I didn't realize how serious I was getting to the point where there were some psychotic issues and delusional things happening. And I came to a point where I was 22 years old. I had a breakdown and ended up in the hospital for 30 days. And they were starting to tell me that there was things that they couldn't help me with, and they were just giving me medication to kind of function. And I thought, in a dark place, I said, wow, how did I end up here? This is over with. I don't know what to do. And the only people at the time, for whatever reason, that reached out to me in any kind of hope or concern were Christians. And so I didn't have anything connection with them before that time frame. And I was looking at them, wondering, you know, what are they like? What, you know, what, whatever. And, but it, wasn't, it started going beyond that because I met people that had gone a little bit farther down the road than I had. They had had struggles, deep struggles, and they were saying, Jesus is the Son of God. There's life and truth in Scripture. There's church and the living organism of people, and there's all this that you can have. It's a family. It's, a, it's, it's true. It's real. 
And as I started warming up to that, they said, Rich, you've, you've got to read. You've got to study yourself. You've got to have this personal part of it with God and then relational part of it. And they said, the, the hurts and habits that you have, you need to deal with those. Study. And as I began to do that and began to define what I was facing, define what mistakes I had made, define how I should make course corrections, I began to become a, a daily reading, lifelong learner and a pattern of that. Yeah, and, and then it seems like a big part of that then through your learning is the idea of how valuable relationships are in your life. Yes. And so that was the next thing you talked about is just the value of relationships. Can you just share with us a little about how, how meaningful relationships were to you and still are to you? Yeah, it was very powerful because I had never seen a happy marriage. I had been around that. I'd been around other things. And so I saw people that were married that cared to one another or committed to one another, loved their children, encouraged them. I grew up in a hostile home of anger and violence. And, and so when I was drawn to the role model of that, of people who cared about God and cared about each other, that attraction was a relational attraction. It wasn't, you do this, you do that. It was, hey, Rich, let's do this together. We'll pray with you together. We're going to go through this together. And as they opened me up to that, I was warmed up to it for the purpose of love. I have a Father God that loves me. Just as this awareness came, I realized these people are helping me go down the right path. And that relationship with them and the Lord and, and the things that started healing in me just got better and better and better. And so I just slowly yielded more and more and more to it as it got richer. You know, and I would sit there and say, if I was to define rich in his ministry, it's relationships. I mean, you are a relationship junkie and, and totally about people being a part of your lives. But, but you used the term I really liked this week. You said you talked about being a wounded healer. And, and that next step was not just learning, not just relationships, but how your life can begin to impact others. So you've been wounded through so many things. Now, years with prison ministries and recovery and addiction ministries, uh, your heart is about taking your wounds and helping others heal. So talk about that journey and how powerful and impactful that is for you. I appreciate that question. And I would have to say I kind of backed into it in a way because as I was discovering more about myself and learning from other people and reading and seeing where God was at, I realized slowly but surely God was interested in details in my mind, in details in my emotion and relationships and my finances and my progress. And so as I began to focus on those details and began to see how that was all working, I started seeing other people more clearly. And I thought, wait a second, I think I could help that person because they're, they're where I was. I'm a little bit further down the road. Maybe I could reach out and help them. And as that began to build, all of a sudden people said, hey, Rich, you're good at this. You're getting better at this. Continue to do it. And the amazing thing of discovering that, which is the term we use oftentimes as the wounded healer, is that when I would reach out to people and help, and, then, and they would respond to me, but the two of us together got better. Hmm. And so we actually found in the discovery of that the amazing love of how God works through both those that need healing and those that are helping to heal through their own wounds. Hmm. Now, 10 years ago, you guys started facing cancer. And how did, how did this idea of learning relationships and being a wounded healer impact you over the last 10 years through this aging process and what you and, and your beautiful wife have dealt yeah, with? she's beautiful. Um, the, the fact is, is that as, you, as I got older, and I was told I had cancer when I was 62, but as I got older, I thought, well, you, you reach a plateau, you know, you move ahead, you've, things are in place, you know, you're moving in the right direction with your finances and relationships and living organism of the church is so healthy. Then all of a sudden, boom, this 
cloud comes in all of a sudden unexpectedly and I was not feeling that well and my wife as well and I went to the doctor in September of, of 2010 and he said we've discovered that you have bladder cancer we're afraid it's beginning to move throughout your body we need to operate as quickly as possible and I was just in shock kind of it's just, it hits you right that way at first and then two days later in the same week my wife got her results and she had lung cancer hmm. So here we were facing this together, and we thought, oh, what is going on? She's never smoked. She's never been around anything like that. Where did this happen? And the doctors didn't know. And we were in this complete place that we had never been before in raising children and struggles and coming from drugs background. This was all so new. And what did we do? We turned to the patterns that we had established. Mm -hmm. Let's continue to read. Let's search the scriptures. Let's ask people in the church to pray for us. People came alongside and helped carry us when we were really at our lowest point. And so two years after that, my wife was told that the, the cancer had metastasized to the other lung. They removed the left lung, and then it metastasized to the right lung, and then it metastasized to the brain. And so the do doctor said, uh, we don't think there's anything we can do for you, so we suggest you go home and write out your will and go on your last cruise together because your wife is going to die. And where did I find God in all that? I found God there because the truth is is that that's a part of life too, but I didn't think it was going to happen that way. Maybe this is going to take be a, a part of my, my journey as well, but I didn't want it. I was angry. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't just float through this. I had to search again, read again, ask people to help me with their input, give me a good book, give me insight, input, input that started bringing about this idea that continue to do the same things, Rich. Work within the church. Help other people. We continued through that time serving other people. And over time, and I just say it because we want to give God the credit for what he did in the church. As my wife and I today are, are cancer-free. So we're <laughs> very happy about that. You know... Um I think you can see why I brought him up here and, and just thank you for being just such an example to me and, and just watching you go through this and with such integrity and just such a focus on people and others and, and your wife. And thank you. It's been beautiful. So thanks, Rich, thank for you. sharing with thank us. You, yeah. Steve. All right. Whew, you guys can see why I'm so blessed being around him. So, uh, yeah, what I want to do is I want to close our time together by just taking those three things that he talked about taking those three things he talked about and just kind of in applying it in a bigger picture uh, to us, so how we might have more vitality as we age or how we might bring vitality to those around us that are aging because we're all in this together. So the, so the first thing Rich talked about was this, is that we need to commit to growing and learning. We need to commit to low and growing and learning and, and focus on things that inspire and uplift us. Uh, right now, man, I'm, I'm growing and I'm learning on how to love my mom, to love her in new ways as she's in our home and watching her age and suffer and, and go through things. And I'm sure she is figuring out how to love us as well as we're, things are changing. But we're learning. As I said, just studying for this week caused me to have some conversations and look at things a little bit deeper. And I, I believe that it's never too late to become a learner, and it's never too early. So you might be a teenager in here, or you might be 85 years old. It's never too late to begin to be a learner. Start now, no matter what age you're at. I mean, over the years, I've just often heard people say, I'm not a reader. I'm just not a reader. Well, then become one. 
Figure it out. Start reading. Start slow. Start somewhere and see what happens. It just might change your life now. It might better prepare you as you move on. And you might actually be more prepared to touch and minister to people's lives that are aging around you. But reading and learning is huge for vitality, especially as you get older. Uh, One psychologist I was reading said this. He said, lifelong reading, especially in older age, may be one of the secrets to preserving mental ability. Engaging your mind, constantly reading, and not stopping. And no doubt, one of the most difficult things to watch as someone ages is as their mind begins to go. And they can't remember what happened two hours ago. They can't remember that they said that yesterday. She still can't figure out that remote control. That just seems so easy, right? Just press the guide button. That's all you got to do. The button that says guide. Where's that button again? But we're learning. And that's so difficult. So you got to start somewhere. Become a learner. Become a reader. Open up the Bible each day and read one chapter. Well, where do I start? I don't care. Just engage your mind. I'm not saying read the Old Testament in the next week. If you can pull that off, go for it, right? But read something. Find a book. Find something that inspires you and lifts you up. Start a new habit in your life. They say what it takes, like 21 days or something. Sometimes I read 27 days to create a new habit. Start the habit today. I'm going to open something up and I'm going to read It's so important. I love Philippians 4.8. This is kind of the the idea of what I want you to focus on. Is that finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent (laughs) or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. So that idea is setting our minds on those things that are praiseworthy, those things that are good, those things that are excellent. And that's why I just want to encourage us to, to, to open up the scriptures and see the beauty of that, to get a book, to start reading things that uplift you, encourage you. I mean, I'm now 52 years old, and as I've been getting older, I mean, I'm trying my best to not focus on the doom and gloom that can so easily capture our hearts and minds. It seems like sometimes as we get older, and if you have anyone around you that's getting older, oftentimes the leaning gets towards becoming more negative, becoming more griping about things, and I just don't want to do that. And I want to help my mom not do that. And I want to become someone that's reading and and helping her to grow in that way as well. And one of the overarching themes I see throughout the Bible is one of rejoicing and giving thanks always. Rejoicing and giving thanks always and how powerful that can be in our hearts and minds. Second Corinthians 4.15 says this. It says this, that all this is for your benefit so that, oh, it's there. Whew, that just, I saw it in my peripheral vision. That was pretty awesome. I'm not that old yet. <laughs> all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow. So this is this grace 
that is a focus of the scriptures, that is a focus of so many beautiful things. This grace, this church, we are a hyper grace, talking about love and grace all the time, that it reaches more and more and it may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And then look what he goes on to say. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yeah, man, as we get older, our bodies outwardly, yes, they waste away. My knees are shot. It's like I can't do things I used to do. They hurt all the time. Hey, it's the way it is, right? But inwardly, as I'm focusing on grace and I'm focusing on these beautiful things, inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. What a beautiful thought and what a beautiful passage and way that learning can help us. Learning in our understanding of grace and love to renew our spirit and to see things that are positive around us by learning. I mean, we're working with this with my mom. My mom, when she's at her house and in our backyard, she'll just sit there and go, this is so beautiful. I feel like I'm on vacation. Well, she lives in this little tiny apartment by herself. I tell her, mom, this isn't vacation. This is just called life. It's called being able to sit and hear the birds and see the beauty. This should be the normal thing that you're about. Learning and seeing the beauty of things around you and realizing this is the way it should be. And more and more I find myself focusing on those things that are good, those things that are pleasing, those things that are grace-based and love-based, the happier and healthier I feel, no matter what it is I'm facing. And you know, research is showing that happiness can increase your lives by four to ten years. That happiness has a huge impact on your life. And the Bible talks so much about that. So I have a challenge, right? First suggestion, I have a book that I want to challenge you to read, and it's this, Love Does by Bob Goff. Bob Goff's the guy that's coming in September, so get your tickets. This guy's awesome. This is his first book he wrote. Talk about a guy that has chosen to learn and see that which is uplifting, praiseworthy, that is good. It's mind-blowing. No one has challenged my life probably in the last 52 years like this guy. It's so simple, and he irritates the daylights out of me. But this has changed how I look at my mom. This has changed how I'm approaching things. And so, man, if you want to grab a book that's really easy, each chapter simple, and just begin a reading journey, grab it. And then September, come when he's here. Because this guy gets me thinking Philippians 4, 8, as much as anyone I've ever read to set my mind on those things. So it could be a good place to start. The second thing that he talked about, Rich, is that be committed to building relationships. Move towards others. Move towards each other. Move towards those that are aging. And if you are older, move towards those that are younger. We need to be moving towards each other. Man, I read this statistic this week that how the rates of loneliness among older adults is increasing. The rates of loneliness. And I think some of it's because we just live in a very like techie culture, right? We're all connected by internet and, we, and, and that's not their world. So it's a different world right now. Making them feel a little more lonely. But one psychologist said this, that chronic loneliness poses as large a risk to long-term health and longevity as smoking cigarettes. That's pretty powerful, huh? He goes on to say, and may be twice as harmful for retirees as than obesity is. So loneliness is in a sense like killing the older generation. And that should make us that are younger open our eyes and go, man, that's a crazy statistic. Because the Bible talks so much about relationships constantly in and through that we are designed to thrive 
together. And that's what we should focus on, committing to moving towards each other. I want to tell you, as, I, as I've been thinking about this, I don't think I did a very good job at this with my grandma and my grandpa. I could have spent more time. No doubt when I think back, I could have spent more time. It's never too late to learn. And it's never too late to say, okay, we're doing it different this time. And we're going to try to put our time and make sure that we're moving towards and moving towards and moving towards. And oftentimes it's easy just to kind of go, oh man, it's hard, I'm going to move away. But I think we need to move towards. I love Solomon. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks about this. Solomon talks about the two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. And if one falls down, his friend can help him up. I mean, how many of you have fallen down with no one around or you fell down with people? And how powerful having people in our lives and relationships. He goes on to say, I pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. But also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? I mean, that's what Rich talked about through cancer. That's kind of what I would consider like a time in life that's cold and when people come around and they can help each other and they keep each other warm but though though many uh, may be overpowered one may be overpowered two can defend themselves and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken I just want to continue to encourage everyone to move towards those that are aging in their lives move towards and don't stop doing that and moving towards them means accepting them as they are that's not always that easy. And not just accepting them as they are, but loving them where they are and realizing how powerful that is and bringing them into your heart and into your lives. I'm not saying you have to bring them into your home. We have a lot of reasons why this is kind of becoming the reality in our lives. But none of us should hold back from bringing them into our hearts and into their, our lives and accepting them and loving them where they are, which isn't always that easy, you know, and realizing how powerful that is for them. My wife and I talked about it. I think I shared with you guys before, but, you know, I think my wife sometimes and my sister have this idea, like, man, we're going to get her just doing so much better. She'll be running marathons in six months, right? And it's like we just got to sit there and say, no, I don't think she's going to be running marathons. It might just get worse. What we want her to do is feel the depth of our love. And then in that community and the reality of what it's like just to be in our home and to experience life and not loneliness. If you're older in here, I just want to encourage you and you're feeling lonely. One of the reasons why I'm at this church is because our huge ministry to mature adults. It's probably one of the biggest ones in the valley. Get involved. Get connected. Find out ways. If you don't know how to get connected, go find Justin and tell him, I want to be one of your leaders in the high school group. Hands down, over the years, some of the greatest leaders I had were over 60 and 70 years old. Kids will gravitate towards the oldest person that takes them seriously. And taking a kid seriously doesn't mean that you agree with their thinking. I understand that, <laughs> right? We're all on a journey. But our thinking grows. I mean, I want to encourage you that are older. How long did it take you to get to where you are? It takes a lot of learning to become ignorant, doesn't it? To realize I don't know it all. I mean, don't you remember you knew it all when you were 20 and now you're thinking, I don't know nothing? You know, the older we are, the more we realize we don't know. Hey, young people have to know it all. That's just part of their journey. And just to walk with them and be there and care for them. 
And so we need to learn to journey together. It's super fun uh, and and go get connected. But our 1823 group, our Rancho 1823 group, it's real creative. It's for 18 to 23-year-olds, the name, you know. And the leader of that is working with our leader of our mature adults, and they're getting together to do an event where they're going to play bingo together. How fun is that? The young kids don't stand a chance, right? We don't know how to play bingo. We're going to get killed. But we need more of that, just coming together and being together. And I think that could be a beautiful thing. I love Hebrews 10, 25. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I know the day approaching, we talk about a lot of things. I'm just thinking about my mom, right? As I see that day, that reality, I just want to not give up meeting together. I want to continue to encourage and lift up and be a part of other people's lives. So move towards, move towards, move towards. I know it's hard, but move towards. And the last thing is this, the third thing is that be committed to finding your purpose. And I know it can be hard, right? You got a purpose out there, you gotta find it, what is it? I'm just gonna make it real easy. The younger generation needs the older and the older generation needs the younger. That's the purpose. It's just simple. With age comes wisdom. And I want to tell you, us younger folks so desperately need older people's wisdom. We might not know it, but we do. And so I just want to ask you that are older, have patience with us as you walk with us. Understand that we might think, as I mentioned, that we know it all, but that's okay. Have grace. Be patient. Because we're going to need you more than you think. And you have a bigger voice in our lives than you think. Younger people, you think you know it all? You don't. It's so freeing to finally figure out I didn't know it all. That didn't happen until I was 50. And it was so freeing. Ah, this is awesome. Man, reach out. If you can become a learner of older people, man, it's going to bring value to your life as you grow like you cannot believe. And I want to give a vision, a vision of what this community together looks like. And it's found in this verse here in Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That should be the goal. Older generation with younger generation, younger generation with older, to spur each other on to love and good deeds. There's no greater purpose than that, to help us understand God's love for us and to be encouraged to love one another. I've always been challenged by Paul's attitude when he was suffering. I mean, he's in a prison cell. He's suffering deeply. Man, look at this in Philippians 1. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ. Like, I'm so done with this life. I'm ready to be done. This suffering is too much. Guys, I want to tell you, not a day goes by that my mom doesn't say, this is too much. I'm done. So I can relate to just someone seeing someone with this heart, which is better by far to go. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So his vision is, yeah, man, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm old. But I want to remain in this body. I want to move on. And look what he says as he goes on. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for the progress and joy, for your progress and your joy to encourage you towards love and good works. Progress and joy in the faith. And then he says, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. How cool is that? Man, I'd rather be gone, but since I'm not gone, may my life bring joy into your life. I think of people like Tom and Ernie, Bob and Betty, 
Leo and Barbara and so many others. So many others that have so deeply impacted my life and have been a source of life for me. And these are all seniors. Ways that they've spoken to me and encouraged me and loved on me and poured into me has given me such purpose. And I hope that by doing that, it's given them purpose as well. That it's given them vitality in their lives by them speaking into mine. Because they've made a huge difference in my life for sure. So I have a challenge for us. You guys ready? Here's my challenge. Over the next month or so, I want to challenge you guys to set your alarm early to wake up, be here at 9 o'clock, and go to that tradition service. At 9 o'clock, we have a service that it's packed. It's one of our fullest service of the morning, and most of the people are probably over 70 years of age. And they do hymns, no sitting in the corner going, I don't like this music, you know. I'm talking about going and engaging, going and being part of their lives. And here's the scary part. I'm challenging them to come here. I told them to turn their hearing aids off and just come on over, man. Go get connected. I challenge them to not turn left when they go out, but to turn right and to come this way. And they were like, oh, okay. And I just want to encourage you guys to do that too. It's different. This is, this is loud for them, right? And that might be super quiet. When I'm going there, it just feels so quiet and different. But go and engage. And I'm challenging them. What if the one day everyone just switches and we still don't engage, right? I don't think that's going to be the case. But let's come in here. And let's let them come here. Let's go there and let's go begin to bridge the gap. Begin to, get, begin to start worshiping together a little bit more. And let's just see what happens. Because here's the bottom line for aging. Bottom line for aging is this. Learning, relationships, and finding purpose are all keys to experience vitality at any age. And I want to just end by quoting Ida, a hundred-year-old woman that says this. Do what you need to do, not what you want to do. Do what you need to do, not what. What do we need to do to begin building the gap between the generations and making sure that those in our lives that are older and aging aren't lonely? And for you that are older and aging, making sure you realize that you bring so much to the table that we need for us to grow in wisdom and to understand how we're going to be moving forward as well. And we come together in that and see the beauty of all the generations coming together. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for just this church and and the unity that we have here. And I just pray that you would help us all to see just how valuable and important we all are together. Whether we're young and we're teenagers or whether we are over 70 or 80, that we all bring such beautiful things to the table. May we all become learners. May we all seek relationships and move towards one another. And may we realize that we have purpose For we are here to encourage each other to love and good works. As younger, we're here to learn. As the older, may we just keep learning, but also help others on their journey that are behind us. That we would realize how beautiful this, all the people that come to this campus, all the people that are part of this church, if we can come together, what an amazing, powerful reality that might be in every one of our lives. Help us to take that step, to start reading, to pursue relationships, 
and maybe just to allow ourselves to learn from those that are older, and if we are older, to begin to realize that in my experience, we can have an impact on others. For your glory and your honor, in Jesus' name, amen.